Hello, and how do you guys do uh, for the week of July 14, 2014? From the seventh floor of the Salt Lake Tribune offices, this is Tribune Sports Radio. With us today, we have Mr. Chris Kamrani. It's a podcast, not a, it's not a video feed. Miming. Miming. Miming there. Kevin Wintermores. Good to see you, Benny. We have uh, Aaron Falk. Hello. And Matthew Piper is stopping in for a moment to talk a little bit, uh, some Josh Gordon. But we're going to start off with the World Cup, uh, kind of put a bow on the end of the world looking in on brazil and uh, i'm gonna ask chris really quickly was this the world cup that we wanted or was this the world cup that we deserved (laughs) (laughs) um i thought the group stage was the world cup we deserved and then things got a little boring as they usually do in the knockout stage just because teams tighten up and the games aren't as free-flowing and aren't as dramatic uh almost had some some crazy upsets you know germany won yesterday but it took 118 minutes for them to beat Algeria in the uh, in the quarterfinals or in the round of 16. So, I mean, we could have seen Algeria hoisting the cup if if things might have been on a different timeline yesterday. But no, it was it was a great World Cup. It's over. It's a bummer. We have to wait four years now, and it's going to be in Russia. And next time, it won't be as you know. First off, the timeline screw us up. It's going to be what like 11 hours ahead of us, or I don't know, 11 man. hours behind us. You'll have to ask. Similar people. to the Olympics. Yeah. yeah. So I mean I've never been to Russia, so I don't I don't know. Please man. No, it it was it was a great World Cup. I think the you saw the U.S. really get into it. You know more even more than when the U.S. went out. People were still watching, uh, really high ratings. I think Salt Lake turned in a thirteen point three rating yesterday on a on a Sunday evening, which is a pretty good rating to yeah. have. Um, so it's growing. I think. You know, if you want to talk about increasing soccer coverage and interest in this country now that the World Cup's over, everyone says, you know, we need to get more people watching MLS because if, if the sport is going to grow organically, I think you're going to have to see more interest generated through the local league, which is MLS. More money will be reven- will be generated through revenue, which could lead to going to the u.s men's national team to doing you know more for the youth program so on and so forth so that's a long-winded answer that it's kind of a nice are we still talking about soccer kind of a nice follow-up to have seattle and portland on at night right after that like sixty-seven thousand. yeah like you're you're gonna be your best american soccer match is kind of you know well i'm sure that was planned right um no doubt yeah i mean there are no accidents it wasn't it wasn't houston and montreal which would have been a hell of a hell of a game, hell of a hell of a game. What's been really interesting for me during this time, always uh, working on the podcast and talking to you about the World Cup, is like uh, kind of getting more of an insight about how important it is to sort of pull from those six-year-olds, like the future of American soccer right now. are starting first grade in September, you know, and uh, yeah. you were talking about the trickle down with the money that comes into professional soccer that can actually build a substantial national team and. I liked uh, I liked the idea that maybe there's parents that were watching this with kids on their laps, thinking like, you know, what, we're going to get our kids involved with this, you know, um, as a fourth viable option uh, outside of baseball, football, and basketball. Yeah, it's. I mean, we were we we have <laughs> been talking with our colleague Kyle Goon a lot about that. That's kind of a main gripe of his is you know kind of a lack of development and of skill in the in the U.S. soccer pool. Um, but like I was telling him, it took this German squad 10 years to develop. So if it's going to take this group of German guys that were that seriously that good 10 years, it might take the United States maybe a, 
a little a little two. longer well, than and that. I'd like to put in here too that there's a lot of talk of what does the U.S. need to do to make this happen, and I wonder if it's something that the U.S. would really be willing to do. Uh, you know, it would involve some of the best players in uh, football and basketball becoming soccer players so that once every four years we could feel good about ourselves <laughs> during the World Cup. You know? And it would involve, like you said, these, the sending our kids away far earlier than most of us are comfortable sending our kids away to go be part of these youth academies at, at places like Ajax and you know Aston Villa and these places that basically churn out talent as their business you know, and, and play soccer as sort of a secondary thing on the side. I don't think that that's something that America necessarily wants to do. You might just have to suck it up every four years and be a middling uh, yeah. you know, soccer team. No, I, he's right. I mean, you look at a lot of these – these kids are pulled at age eight from Brazil and sent to Spain, and they don't see their parents for ten years. You know what I mean? I, is is America ready to would embrace that, so, that? Would that be so bad, Kevin? You're the only father here. <laughs> Depends on the day, Aaron. Depends on the day. Some days – Go America. I just want to do my part. <laughs> Other days, yeah, I guess it'd be bad. Well, you, uh, Piper, you were raised in England. I mean, did you see any of the kids in your high school that kind of had this potential that maybe were pulled into, or was this part of the conversation in the schoolyard? Well, you know, I was on a military base, and I went to school with American kids, so our interactions with the, the local English kids were to go uh, scrimmage against them and get our butts kicked. Uh, <laughs> you know, I, I, I don't what, – what I did see was that there were a couple of decent kids at our school that entered the, the youth – the uh, Youth Olympic Development Program. ODP, yeah. Um, and it's just it's just different, you know. They go off for a couple weeks every year to play with some of the best kids from around the country, but they're just not inundated with soccer the same way that young talent is in Germany or England. So would it be more akin to, like, Nick Saban having to go to the projects to find the best players? What we need to be doing is at uh, both the high school level and the college level is to send kids into – areas to really do scouting at a at the youth level. Well, again, to what end, though? Do, do You said what we need to be doing, you know? Right. I mean, do, do we need to be going and identifying the best soccer players so that once every four years we can be good at a sport that the country is only interested in, you know, Once every four years. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, and, and, the, and the reality of it all is it's all a crapshoot, you know? I mean, how many of these kids that go overseas – don't make it yeah. we talk about football and how one percent of high school players make it to the nfl it's probably the same thing with international it's soccer one like percent of every actor or actress who gets off a bus in hollywood is going to get on the silver screen yeah you know i mean it's very challenging yeah a lot of obstacles in front of you with that yeah absolutely and like matt was saying and i just don't know if america is ready to embrace that type of ap approach and i don't know if if that's necessary you know like matt was saying it's is it really necessary to get the U.S. into the semifinals? I mean, there's no guarantee. It, it took 24 years for two of the best footballing countries in the world to make to win another World Cup yeah. in Germany and Argentina. So, I mean, it, it takes a long time. This isn't a process that happens overnight, especially for kind of a fringe sport. I mean, it's, it, let's, let's, let's call it what it is. It's still a fringe sport, yeah. and it has, a lot of, it has a long way to go. Uh, just as a football fan and as a reporter for the RSL here at the Tribune, how would you rate this entire World Cup experience for yourself personally? One to ten? Yeah. Uh, seven. Seven? Seven point five. Right. It, it was like a nine through the group stage just because, you know, 
there was a lot of great stories. Costa Rica made this, you know, phenomenal run. Iran almost tied Argentina. That's my that's my subjective plug. Uh-huh. Um, Algeria was phenomenal. There was a, there was a, uh, there were awesome matches. Um, but then things kind of slowed down as they usually do. A lot of one zero games. I think what we're, we're always going to remember Germany's beatdown of Brazil in this in this World Cup. I mean, if you want to talk about a a moment of longevity from this last you know six weeks it's going to be you know those 25 minutes when it, it was almost awkward to watch yeah. you know it was I mean Aaron and I were watching that game and like you, you score four goals in six minutes in a world <laughs> cup let alone in a semi-final against Brazil home I mean, country home country yeah. I mean it was it was awkward and you you saw how just weird of a vibe that game was because I don't know. I mean, it felt like it felt like a one versus sixteen in the tourney at, at a certain point. You know, it yeah. was like when Duke gets up on on Chattanooga ninety <laughs> to forty five, and you're like, "What's going on?" So I, th- I think that's I think that's the lasting impression. It was a great World Cup, no doubt. But um, I mean, twenty eighteen will be hard. It'll be hard to top this one for sure. This was probably the best in the, in the modern era, in my opinion. If they play tomorrow, does Germany beat RSL seven one? Ooh, I don't know. I'd have to ask Jeff Gassar. Might they're they're flying from Brazil to <laughs> Salt Lake, yeah. getting off a plane and doing it. After a week in, uh, in Manaus. <laughs> After a week in Manaus. 6-1. 6-1. Six one. Six one. <laughs> <laughs> late, uh, late PKs saved by Ramondo. Yeah. Absolutely. We brought the wall of the Wasatch. <laughs> we brought in uh, Matt here today because he was going to talk about a story he's been working on with about uh, Josh Gordon, uh, Cleveland Browner. Uh, he played on the scout team here at the University of Utah, and uh, there's been some uh, drug issues and, poss- and, uh, and an alleged DUI. Uh, walk us through the case, talk to us about what you're reporting on, and uh, kind of give us some insight onto this guy. Well, I've just I've long been curious about what kind of player Josh Gordon was at the U. He never actually played for Utah, but he was on the scout team. And you know, the long story short, he was really, really good. He was uh, uncoverable for the scout team at the U. Um, and then it turns out, I guess, that uh, you know he, he had failed the drug test at the U, too. It was something that he originally had denied, but he told after the supplemental draft, he told the Cleveland Plain Dealer that he failed the drug test at the U. So I, went, I wanted to revisit that, what his time was like at the U in light of what has recently happened, which is that he failed another drug test in the NFL and may have to sit out this full season. And then he also had a DWI in North Carolina a couple weeks ago. So he's obviously kind of a troubled guy. Uh, and you talk to you know youth coaches and players about him, and they say he's a decent guy. You know, he's not, uh, he doesn't have a bad attitude or anything, or at least he didn't while he was at the U. He just uh, seems to not be able to get on track off the field. With uh, is there any uh, indications of what he failed specifically on the drug test? Well, the latest one was uh, marijuana, his first failed drug test for which he sat out two games last season, and, and he still is an All Pro. That's how good he is, but. Uh, that was codeine at Baylor before he transferred to the U. He failed one drug test for marijuana use. He was arrested, I believe, for falling asleep in a Taco Bell drive-thru and uh, and and being. Let he marijuana. without sin cast the first stone on one that one. One too many, <laughs> one too many Crunchwrap Supremes, man. And then at the the U, he, you know, I I honestly don't know. I I think uh, he just said he failed the drug test while he was at the U. With it, with you're saying he's got a good outlook. He's a uh, obviously he's good. Char- uh, you were saying he has good character and stuff like that. 
Uh, as you're looking more into this, what kind of a future do you think he could actually have? Is there, is there a redemption at the end of this? Well, anybody who watched him last season knows that he can do whatever he wants to do. I mean, he with, with, with Brian Hoyer as his quarterback or right. Brandon Whedon. Who I mean, he might, be, he might be the most talented player in the NFL. That's how good he is. He, he, I think at one point he had like five games with in which he averaged 200 yeah. yards. Yeah, uh, on a bad team. On a really bad yeah. team. He, once Cleveland figured out that they could just throw it to him and have him you know, run past three guys to the end zone every play, mm -hmm. uh, yeah, he, I mean, he can, do, he can do whatever he wants on a football field, like Kevin said. And, you know, the, the part of this question, too, is like with Ricky Williams or Bison Dele or you know, some of these guys don't, uh, don't really want to do that. And I think that remains to be seen in Josh Gordon's case. He said all the right things, but his actions sort of suggest that maybe it's just not that high a priority for him. And I know that's hard for for fans and, and people at home to see when mm -hmm. they they all wish we all wish that we had the type of talent that, that and Josh the opportunity does. to do that. Well, and it, I think it, it's another issue of w to what extent do we want to immortalize these people and. And how how often do we need to put sport in front of you know personal lives and real issues? Because I think we we see more often than not that we build these guys up and put them on such a high pedestal that they only have so far to fall. But I mean, it's cliche, but th people have issues, man. And like, what? How is this guy who obviously needs some serious help? How's he gonna get it? And he's probably has it. He probably has an, an inner circle that's allowing him to continually get in trouble or he has an inner circle that doesn't provide any sort of context of hey you're in trouble man you need yeah. to you need to figure it out because well, I, mean, I think we've seen this a lot with professional athletes well just not just with the self-medicating on this i mean it seems like you when you're going through inner circle like there's not a, a no guy in his group he has nothing he's surrounded himself with yes guys that are riding on his coattails and did know. entourage have any no guys i never saw the show I, I never. He was occasionally a no guy. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Sloan was. was, was a Sloan. <laughs> Sloan was. Okay. But yeah. as a rule of thumb, these guys surround themselves with sacrifice that, you know, like living the, you know, the proxy NFL lifestyle. Yeah. You know? Plus, if you're a millionaire, sometimes you want to drink and get high. I mean, that, <laughs> that stuff happens. I, it is obviously is, is problematic for him, though, in his career. And you've seen guys who've had problems that because they're involved in in such high-level sport and have such um, – some, because some of these programs put such control around these guys. Like you see, saw what Tyron Ma Matthew did, right, yeah. obviously like flaming out at LSU and at least through a year and a half or whatever as a, as a professional because they, they put him with a, a best friend in Patrick Peterson and, and Arizona, the Cardinals, really kind of supported him. He's come through really nicely, um, you know, but it's, it's, it's just – up to these people individually and, and, and also up to, to the programs to help them. You have your Honey Badger jersey yet? I, I don't, not yet. I'm waiting. I'm waiting until a uh, full season without an injury or, or an arrest. I, I, that, that's, uh, that's respectable. I, I applaud your patience there, Paul. I, I think that one thing is that where with some of these athletes, and you know, Josh Gordon's a good example, where they are so dominant, I, I can't help but wonder if they get bored, you know, that – you know, I, I think we've all played against competition in some sport, you know, whether it's like your five-year-old nephew or whatever. We're like, you, you could dominate, and you're just like, okay, this is boring. And if it's your five-year-old nephew, everyone here except for uh, 
Chris would, you know, maybe let the nephew score once or twice. Chris is like, no, you must learn the hard way. Um, but you get bored. You, you, when you are that good at something, how do you challenge yourself? You know, if, if you're Josh Gordon and you're regularly gaining 200 yards receiving in a game, you're like, okay, well. This is kind I, of I would say a destructive addiction is a pretty decent. <laughs> I'm challenge. not saying that. I'm not saying that it's the right thing, but I want to get to that level where that's. Yourself. I want to. I just want to get to that level where it's an option. Just be <laughs> right. like, I'm so right. good at life that maybe I should look into doing something a little, a little sketchy. I'm not saying that it's the healthy choice by any means. No, I'm with you. Well, uh, moving back more towards our bailiwick here in the Tribune offices. Uh, last week, Steve Novak of the Toronto Raptors signed with the Utah Jazz. We traded out Garrett and a 2017 Knicks pick. To yeah, it was, yeah. <laughs> these picks get moved around all the time. So I don't even know what that means. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> with a Knicks pick on that, uh, six foot ten shooter. Good behind the arc. Uh, you, you had a phone interview with the guy. He wrote a really good article that you can find on SaltLakeTribune.com. Uh, Aaron, talk to us about uh, Novak and what he's going to help us with the Utah Jazz. Well, I mean, so the first thing, obviously, is is his shooting. He's he's a career like 41, 42% shooter. I can't, I'm not going to look it up right now. Yeah. Um, but he's also a role player. I mean, don't, let's not get really ahead of ourselves. He played 10 minutes a game last year for Toronto. He really hasn't replicated quite the uh, sustained success that he had in New York um, when Jeremy Lin was there and kind of that's where he kind of the height of his career so far but um, he is a a solid shooter Um, he's got a pretty quick release and 610 you know with Marvin Williams going to Charlotte they wanted a guy I think they maybe anticipated Marvin Williams going to Charlotte. I should say this move was done before that. But um, they wanted a guy who could play the four and, and kind of spread the floor out a little bit with, with some shooting. Um, also, he this is a really, really young team. And with Richard Jefferson going to Dallas, Marvin going to Charlotte, um, it's really young. There's There was nobody else in that locker room who kind of has that elder statesman. JL3, bro. Well, Come on. Right, Come John on. The third, of course, sorry. <laughs> who's the non-guaranteed contract right now. Um, but so they bring in S- Steve Novak, who's 31 years old. Uh, Long tooth. Yeah, for my conversation with him, really bright guy. Um, he's been – Dennis Lindsay was in Houston when, when the Rockets drafted Novak. Uh, Novak and, and Dennis were in San Antonio at the same time for, for a while. Um, so he, he, he knows him. He, he really likes what he brings in off-the-court stuff. And, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a role – it's a smaller role in a team that's still not going to be very good next yeah. year. So, I mean, let, let's keep expectations within. within did you get reason. to go to the uh, practice last Thursday? Uh, I did attend the practice. Uh, yes. I heard it was a great turnout. Uh, I had uh, some people leaving the facilities, and they said it was uh, lots of fun. And that uh, was a Boulder Jack and Snyder on the mics, kind of walking them through it. Yeah, yeah. Dude, so who won the hair off though? The hair off Snyder. Always. It, it, I mean, I love <laughs> Boulder Jack, and that's good hair, but <laughs> can't compete. Um, no, it was 9,000. That lower bowl, it's hard to, to gauge because they were spread out in yeah. regular season games. But when you see all those people together in the lower bowl, it certainly looks like there were more people at that open practice than there were at games toward the end of last season. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, and, and I think that having a new coach, having obviously a kind of mysterious 
high draft pick and Dante Exum there brings people out. It being free, it doesn't hurt. <laughs> free, ad- free admission, but regular season free prices for the beer. So, um, you know, it, it was it was pretty entertaining, and and Snyder um, was very fan friendly. Uh, kind of showed a willingness to talk about um, strategy and X's and O's a little bit more than you saw with Ty Corbin, mm-hmm. uh, who was really hesitant to talk about. I mean, even pretty basic things. Um, well, it's probably because he had such a big college background. He knows that the, the co-eds and the school probably wants to be a part of this. And it's probably a pretty easy transition just to treat the fans like they're back in school. You know? Sure, yeah. I mean, he's, teach, he's uh, I mean, he's so far in all of my dealings with him, he's been very good. He's, he's a great quote. He's pretty thoughtful. I mean, he, so it, it, I think fans will really, really warm to him. Um, I mean, it, we'll see what happens when they're, you know, when the losses pile up, which I, I have to assume they, they probably will again this year. But, yeah. uh, no, a really nice start to kind of a, a new chapter here. Walk us through Gordon Haywood uh, and uh, his – basically, didn't you guys have a uh, signing sheet with Charlotte, but then the Jazz matched? Yeah, you, you did the same thing that Snyder did. I heard I heard Quinn Snyder on the mic call him Haywood. Oh, Hayward. Haywood. <laughs> <laughs> Gordo. He, Gordo. Snyder <laughs> nailed – he nailed Alec Burks and Trey Burke. <laughs> it, which you hear people screw up all the I time. I didn't even know there was but, two of them on the team. But then so. he, <laughs> but then he dropped Haywood. Um, no, yeah. So Gordon, restricted free agent. Uh, they couldn't reach a deal last fall. He goes out on the market, looks for the biggest deal. Came from Charlotte, gave him as much money as possible because they're trying to pry him away, mm-hmm. hoping that the Jazz don't match. Jazz had said all along, match, 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 match. So, um, you know, he's making a ton of money. Uh, some things to keep in mind. Just about how much money it is. It's it's sixty three million dollars over four years. Um, it's probably more than he's worth, right? It's definitely more yeah. than, than than he's worth. But you look at everything that's happened with with the rise of the salary cap, and this is a jazz team that has money to spend that needs to spend money to get to the cap floor mm-hmm. still. Um, and it's a team that doesn't bring in a lot of free agents. I mean, they can't attract great talent usually. LeBron couldn't get guys to Cleveland to play with LeBron. It's hard to get you know guys into Salt Lake to play with we Derek Favors. We I talked mean. about Steve Novak. We talked about Gordon Hayward. LeBron James went back to Cleveland, man. I, they, I have it circled right here as the fourth thing on the list. My, probably my favorite. You get, you, get, you get your dessert at the very end of the meal. Probably you know? my favorite tweet of the last week was from Tim Kawakami, who's a columnist in the Bay Area, and he said, if Gordon Hayward is worth $16 million a year, LeBron James is worth $150 million a year. In retrospect, LeBron's going to make like $4 million more a year than Gordon Hayward. That's just context. But, but endorsements. Yeah. Yeah. No, I know. I'm just saying. It's, uh, they're not going to have to start a family budget in the, in the James household, though. Hey, man, he's got that Samsung tablet. He's got, he's got he's a kid on the way. He's got another kid on the way. Third. Yeah. Mazel tov to so, LeBron. You know, well, well, budget with, gets a little tighter. Yeah, with that, I mean, were you, were you surprised he went back to Cleveland? Did you think it was a pretty foregone conclusion? Did you think – How uh, could I'm you t- not be surprised th- that he went back to Cleveland? This is this – is, Adam Silver is doing jumping jacks every morning because the NBA has gone from being kind of a – I don't know. Under David Stern, people were not interested. They did not like David Stern. Under Silver, he's he's handled the Sterling thing amazingly. Mm-hmm. LeBron goes back to Cleveland. This is what the NBA needed. Like for All for me at world. least, like yeah. the NBA is so uninteresting to me. This is what's going to get me to watch the first game of Well, uh, with uh, the Sterling thing, he did what he would have been crazy not to do. 
Let's be uh, fair. No, I was that's, up for him that's that's very true. I'm just saying that things couldn't have gone better the first six to eight months for for, sure. for, for Silver. Yeah. And then for this to happen, the NBA is just – I think the ratings are just going to be insane next Here, year. Here's my thought on the LeBron thing, and I'm sure this has been covered somewhere. I was I was at a lake vacationing this weekend, so oh, – Oh, dude. I, I don't know. I don't wow. know. Maybe, maybe this wow. has been Thanks, touched man. on. He, he, was not, he was not riding on deadline at StubHub Center. That's true. Uh, so – LeBron, I thought there was some sort of, uh, you know, animosity between LeBron and his close-knit Akron boys toward big city Cleveland that was, you know, sort of entrenched in Akron. And all along, that was sort of the story for him leaving. And people, the media would make a big deal about how he was this hometown Cleveland boy. And he would always have a a tough time with that because to him – you know, exactly. Cleveland was like what Iceland was to the United States and Mighty Ducks. You know? <laughs> Greenland <laughs> is covered in ice, yeah. and Iceland is very nice. Uh, but, but I guess that's not true. I guess that w- this, to me, says that that was all sort of bogus. I don't know. I mean, the the essay, you know, he Northeast Ohio, you, you know, yeah. kind of just Specific. spreads yeah. this kind of broad blanket over the over the area, but. Um, I think, if, if nothing else, I, th- I think certainly he he had a desire to be back to where he was. But uh, but also, this is just a great way for someone who is very aware of his brand and and like the the narrative arc of his career. He, this is the best way for him to be a hero. Mm-hmm. And if he could win one championship in Cleveland after all this, Batman. Yeah, I mean, he's it's, Batman. it's insane. Yeah, absolutely. Like, it, they're, just, yeah. they're just he's they're Michael just, Keaton, Batman. Yeah. He's probably baffled that he and Wade and Bosch all got together and played for less money and that they that they agreed to do what everyone had always been saying that he should do which is just to you know sell out yeah. everything else to win a championship mm-hmm. and that he's not beloved for that right <laughs> he's nowhere near beloved for that if anything he's more hated for the move to Miami uh, he he obviously is more hated for the move to Miami than anything else and so, yeah, there could be something. I that. kept thinking, kind of like we were saying about with Josh Gordon, though, is like, what, what was he when he went to Miami? 23? 20, He's 29 now, so 25. So 2010. 25 multimillionaire to go to one of the hottest cities in America, to the clubs, the environment. the I mean, just the whole, I mean, it's Vegas without the casinos. I mean, it's almost at a point, like, who could fault a 25-year-old kid for wanting to go to Miami? And then you tack on all the other – uh, with Wade and Bosch and just coming off Pat the Riley, Pat Riley, it, it seems like it would be almost a natural fit in terms of the narrative. Like it does make sense to go back to actually have his redemption. And Dan Gilbert, uh, he did a mea culpa, which is on, from what I saw on ESPN. It was basically, yeah, I was a little hot headed. I was a little upset when it happened. <laughs> you know, you'd be too. The letter was up on our website for four years. Only but, for, but you know what? We didn't get around to it. Now we took it down and we talked to each other and they said this repeatedly, man to man. Which is I I don't know what exactly that meant you know I mean it's it's a win win for both of them across the board. LeBron James is is such an interesting figure, man. Like think about it, he is he is as close as to a go- like a god in terms of like a titan from like no Greek seriously mythology. as as what I mean Michael Jordan was was at a different level, but Michael Jordan wasn't at the height of ESPN or social media or all this crazy cable TV stuff. And he was stoic. Yeah, I mean, 
go I, with. I think I think of when the the Heat were here and and LeBron totally screwed up like this fast break opportunity to get the number one spot on Sports Center, and Kevin asks him like straight up, and LeBron like makes fun of himself and gives like a polite answer. You know, it, I I think this I, I like this guy. I'm not supposed to like sports figures, but I'm rooting for LeBron, and I'm I'm stoked he's back in Cleveland. I think it's an awesome na- part of the narrative. Well, I think he's chock full of personality, and you're right. In the social media, where you can be up in his grill, attacking him left, right, and center, and then he still has a. I I don't agree with what Matt says. Like I don't think he's hated. I think there's fan. I see LeBron James jerseys, both Miami and Cleveland ones, here in Salt Lake City, and obviously with the deci- uh, the redecision to go back. You know, it seems like they've been dusted off out of basement uh, closets, and they're being worn again proudly. I think he transcends just the team he represents. I think he is the face of the NBA. I, I, I think he is, but I, I actually agree with Piper. I think you hate him or you love him. And there, I, I don't think that there's really a middle ground with LeBron James. Either you're like, yeah, he's good and Yeah, but the best, the, the best are always are on that place. I you hope know? you fail. And Barry Bonds was, you know, once I have a divisive, if you were in the Bay Area, he was your guy. If you were not part of the Bay Area, he was the devil. Well, he was kind of the devil, man. <laughs> I, 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 I grew up a Giants fan. I grew up you a Giants fan. I, I one time went into the clubhouse as a kid, and I had a baseball, and every Giants player signed it. Barry Bonds was the only one who walked right by me and refused to you sign it. And, I, and I was like, bucks. never forgave him. No. Never forgave him. Well, it's, well, it's just, I mean – he he was he was beloved kind of i mean it was cool to see this you know amazing talent on your team but then like in retrospect he handicapped that team for 10 years from being a contender and right after he leaves we win two championships you know what i mean so okay you know there's a difference but lebron i i agree with with kevin that lebron is loved or hated generally no one's lukewarm on him and it's it's a perfect Kind of story. I mean, this this could be, this could be written. This could be like a, it's like a heel turn in like re- professional wrestling, right? You know, like like NWO to NWO Wolfpack. LeBron pulls off the Wolfpack, hits Pat Riley with the metal chair. You know, I'm going back. music. Exactly. Exactly. And then oh no, I can't believe what I said. Fireworks are suddenly popping out of the ring. Oh, he. If he brings Cleveland a title, they will burn down that city. <laughs> Who does it first, LeBron or Johnny Football? Oh, I, I'm, if you if you live in Cleveland and you like sports, I, does it get any better than right now? I mean, because you haven't won a you drink title, beer so and eat pierogies all day. You <laughs> should be fine. Get over it. I mean, what what an argument? Oh, hey, LeBron. Hey, Johnny Football. Oh, I mean, over your pierogies, of course. Uh, what do you? So uh, with the uh, my favorite, uh, going back to what Chris was talking about, your favorite tweet uh, about that. My favorite tweet was the New York Times. <laughs> the New York Times set out. Uh, walk us through that. <laughs> it, this is why the internet is awesome. Aaron was making a joke about LeBron hitting people with <laughs> chairs, WWE style, and there's already one on the internet of him hitting Dwayne Wade in the back. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Dan. Beautiful. I, I'm sure that's going to work real well on a podcast. <laughs> it plays. It yeah. plays. Let's, let's link it up on the website. Yeah. Right. There you go. Let's link that bad boy right. up on the website. Right. All about links. 
My favorite thing about the LeBron was a tweet that I saw from the New York Times, and it said, how would LeBron James signing with Cleveland impact the Ohio primary of 2014? You know, it's just, it, I think it, it transcends so many different aspects. I don't think it impacts the uh, primaries one iota, but I think it's... Fewer riots. Yeah, few, but I just, I like, I, I think he's... He's got he's got that personality. It's it's almost like he, it, but not just a face, but it, it, kids coming up as we're trying to bring this back to soccer for a second. He's the one that kids say like, I want to be like LBJ. You know, like that's who I want to play like. You know, not Lyndon Baines. Right. Not, no, right. I don't want to be the 33rd I, president well, of the United States. I, I saw I saw that you know since the time LeBron left to now, like the the value of the Cavs dropped like 200 million bucks. And I would imagine it's gonna get back up there now that he's back, just because oh, yeah. you know what yeah. I mean. So that that's just going back it did. to what it already skyrocketed. Yeah, it did. Yeah, should have bought, bought calf stock. There you go. <laughs> one thing that kind of interests me about it, kind of with the the reporting aspect of it, was one guy had it um, from Sports Illustrated. That's how. Whoa, 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 whoa. Uh, Chris, Chris Sheridan yes. went out said on a limb three days before, and people yes. were roasting him. Yes, and said he, he, was, he didn't yes. have the same source as Lee Jenkins, but he right. went out on a limb and said, this is happening, and everyone roasted him. ESPN guys were saying, unconfirmed, not happening, so-and-so. Hey, man, Chris Sheridan, <laughs> he's the hero Gotham deserves. He went out on a limb in the most ballsy sports news story ever, and got it right. And was right. So, so what? What would be the equivalent? And obviously, we don't have a LeBron coming home. Uh, Jerry Sloan coming back to the Jazz. If you had, if you had would that, that I it? think if you had that scoop before anyone else, I think that would probably be pretty close. Carl Malone coming to coach the Jazz. I I, I can't think of a uh, sports figure so tied. Not, yeah, it's not, it's not the same as players. I mean, people love legendary coaches like that, but it's not. It's not the same. Like you just. Not Clemens impact. finishing his career in Boston. No. Well, I, I, I locally. mean, in, in the Salt Lake oh, locally. Oh, locally. Oh, locally. Yeah, um, yeah. I, I don't. I can't think of any. Lavelle like Edwards returning be, to coach BYU. Right. Well, one, that, that, one more season that would probably do it. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I don't think there is. I like Aaron was saying, coaching just doesn't reach that same level of. Right. Can I just say, I, I think it's, I think it's sort of, I don't, I don't. Maybe fascinating is a stretch, but I think it's interesting that on Twitter it becomes this whole revisionist who had it first like it's a separate game like it's a like it's like it's there's the nba and then there's the media competing against each other mm -hmm. and there's there's for, for i've heard so much talk about how sports illustrated was all over this one and you know yay sports illustrated but i mean to me sports illustrated is uh is long form journalism and it's the best writing around and I just wonder what the real value is, what the real dollar value is of being the first person to say something, uh, you know, especially in the LeBron, situa LeBron situation where there's erroneous reports all over the place where it's almost meaningless if you do have the right story because mm -hmm. nobody can tell. Well, how, sure. does, well, how does the fan cut to all that, you know, because we can follow all these sports writers from Sports Illustrated and ESPN. I mean, uh, just go have a beer and relax and wait <laughs> until it's official, right? I mean, does it... But that's unless, unless you're interested in it, in which case, good for you. But, but I mean, the, the truth of it is is that a, a lot of this stuff doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah, the most uh, that's the thing. There's a well, – I'll show you this Grantland story. Have you read this? I don't think so. Uh, it, it's pretty good about just kind of the inside baseball, basketball sort of type of thing. But um, the thing that I've found in the, in the last year of – you know, and I, I guess I did this myself as, as a sports fan – 
um, before I started covering sports, is that 99% of sports fandom for most people is, is this scenario this dream of what could Dude, possibly happen. You need to, to s- we need to save this for True. another podcast because where you're going is where I think would be an awesome show, but keep going, but don't well, give I, it. I, don't. I'm saying like what, what happens in the game matters. So unless you win a championship, it, yeah. it matters almost zero to everyone there. Right. It's just what could happen. What could Dante Exum be? What could the jazz be in six years? You know what it's is this dreaming? Can can Gordon Hayward make this leap? You know, and then it's never. It's all. It's all dreaming. It's all dreaming. I think that's true for the bottom seventy-five percent of teams, and then the top twenty-five percent, yeah, the one that are they're actually, like, they're like, sell the future, man. Yeah. I don't care. <laughs> we got LeBron James. I don't care about the future. Which we're, is why the Cavs should now. trade Andrew Wiggins for Kevin Love if that's the only way to do it. Absolutely no. You, really, that's what you do. You're like, I don't care, and. You know, if you look at it kind of objectively and you're like, you realize if you make that trade, yeah, you've got about a four-year window. And then after that, you're going to be the Cavaliers again. Like, you're going to go back to that constant losing. Bring it. As a Cubs fan, I'll, I'll sell that. I'll sell the future for one year. Absolutely. And we need to do a sports Twitter episode. Just, yeah. just about what we uh, – I think – I really think people would be intrigued by what we deal with on the daily. Mm-hmm. Like – Right now, Matt with the Josh Gordon thing, there's probably people who are a little upset about that. Aaron with the Jazz, why isn't Dante Exum shooting his three well? Why isn't he doing this? Are you talking so, about like a mailbag through the Twitter responses you guys Just, get? Just more, just, I don't know. I just, I mean, we're out there. For some reason, thousands of people follow us. I don't know why. <laughs> I, I, I wake up, I wake up, and I'm like, why do people really – Follow me well, to my date. It's just an interesting answer, development I, with sports, yeah. with journalism, well, I mean, with I sports especially. Very clearly, it's before the Tribune and then on post Tribune. It's like you get to see what's on the other side of the green curtain. It's like you get to see what's in the locker room. That's uh, kind of what I think what Aaron was talking about. It's like you want to hear what the coach speak at the interview. It's right. like what goes into making deadline. What is? Uh, what do you guys get to see? And, and like even better, it's like what don't you report? Like you, you know, yeah. we see tons of things that we can never report, mostly because it's uh, incongruous or frankly inappropriate. You know, sometimes and yeah, that's no, no, you're definitely right. But I, I'm with Aaron. Yeah. I, there is this, there are these scenarios that are constantly thrown out as if like they they de- they deserve credence. Yeah. Like for example, there Real Salt Lake is in a serious scoring drought right now, and someone this morning tweeted at me and said, "Why why not put Luke Mulholland at forward?" And Luke Mulholland is you know a first year player who's like specifically a midfielder, uh-huh. and they're like he would score all the time. <laughs> And it's like Luke might score, but I don't. But like, you know what I mean? There's just these these weird scenarios that are just constantly thrown out as if they, as if you know. I think people just want their two cents to be seen and hopefully recognized with some sort and of response. Retweeted. I, I do and think retweeted. and retweeted. I, I think that I, I think that it's not a new phenomenon though. I think what's happened is that now people use social media and share their opinions. But I think and and then. Go to the person who has that access, like you with RSL, Aaron with the Jazz. Whereas in the past, it was you were sitting in the bar or you were sitting, you know, at the the lemonade stand. Read the newspaper? Reading the newspaper and not online. And, you know, you and your buddy are like, man, you know, 
why don't the bees stick this guy in as their closer? And Nobody's saying that. Dude, <laughs> oh, dude, I bet there's one person. I bet there's one guy. Into that guy. They wrote that story about the, the bees fan. <laughs> Let's go get a sandwich. Yeah, but it, it's absolutely happening with with the youths. And who should be quarterback? If you don't think that conversation is being had all over. And now people are just willing to share it with with Piper and with Kyle. It, well, I'm not, I think I'm not, nice I, I want to say, it's not even like who should be quarterback, who should, like, should so-and-so be ahead of so-and-so on the depth chart. It's like, what if we had, what if we had Omri Caspi? Yeah. What if, what, what what if we put in three quarterbacks on the same play and they threw it to each other and then it was You're a quadruple. Drunk. I'm leaving. I'm walking out of this room right now. Yell out your Twitter account because – no, I, let's let's really do that episode because no, I, I, I have some thoughts about this. Falk will take my idea. You have to. What do you, Twitter Twitter at handle Trim at? Jazz. Invite me. Please. Don't try to spell it. Episode. Just try. Chris Camrani. Yep. Kevin Winter Morris. K Win Mo. Yeah. Matthew underscore Piper. I'm at Benny Raskin. Thanks please, for listening. Don't tweet at me. Please. <laughs> tweet at Matt Piper. Let's get Matt Piper above 10,000 followers by the end of this week. End of uh, the day. End of the day. Thanks for listening, everybody. We'll be back next Monday. If you have questions, tweet us. Uh, we can be available on iTunes. Get a, when you're on iTunes, make sure you give us a nice review. Uh, five stars if you can. You can also find the show on sltrib.com. Uh, if you have any other questions, email us at. And we also have the sltrib sports uh, Twitter handle, which is handled by the staff up here that can get us uh, any questions. We'd like to start doing a mailbag after... Uh, what's it's our 11th or 12th episode? Uh, we're getting up there in a couple of months, guys. Uh, as we're looking forward to a football season, Matt Piper and Kyle Gunner are going to be joining us, and we'll be doing a lot more Utes talk. And as obvious as per usual, Aaron Falk will be covering the Jazz for us. Anyway, uh, thanks for listening. For Ben Raskin, Chris Camarani, Aaron Falk, Matt Piper, Kevin Thank you.